Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 299 of the podcast. It is February 7th, 2018, and joining me today is Joe Schwartz, my friend and uh, esteemed co-author for our books, Healthcare Kaizen and the Executive Guide to Healthcare Kaizen. Joe was previously the guest in episode 187. You can find that by going to leanblog.org slash 187. Joe is the Administrative Director of Business Transformation for the Franciscan St. Francis Health System in Indiana. When we talked before, Joe had a role that was focused on the three hospitals in the Indianapolis area. He now has broader system-wide responsibility across, uh, I believe it's 14 hospitals around continuous improvement and lean improvement and management strategies. So our discussion today is the first part of, uh, of two, where today Joe reflects on the history and evolution of more than 10 years of Kaizen or continuous improvement in his health system. And in our next episode together, which will be coming up uh, in uh, the next few weeks, Joe and I will be talking about uh, the idea of champions of change in materials management and supply chain functions within his system. So I hope you enjoy the discussion. If you want to see links to Joe's bio, uh, get more information about our books, you can go to leanblog.org slash 299. Well, again, I'm really happy to be joined uh, by Joe Schwartz. Joe, thank you for coming back on the podcast today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. You know, we did uh, a podcast in 2017 uh, with uh, with our friends at Gemba Academy. I, the The last time we did a podcast episode here was um, 2013. So uh, there's a lot to uh, a lot to catch up on. So I'm glad we'll be able to talk about that here. So maybe just you know, for anyone who hasn't listened to um, the previous episode, you know, can you? Introduce yourself, um, the Franciscan Health System. Uh, just give a little bit of background. Sure, you bet. Um, Joe, Joe Swartz, I um, studied electrical engineering and um, got a master's in management from Purdue um, and then got into healthcare uh, along the way. Did consulting for a number of years before that. Um, got into healthcare about the same time as you, Mark, uh, 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, got hired into the Franciscan Alliance system, um, and in particular in the hospitals in Indianapolis. There's three hospitals in Indianapolis, part of their system. Um, so was their director of business transformation, which is kind of the leader of the continuous improvement program mm-hmm. there. And then about two years ago, they moved me up to the corporate office. So now I'm uh, the leader of the improvement system for 14 hospitals. And uh, it's a bit of a different job. Um, I'm, I don't do projects too much. I, I spend a lot of time coaching and leading and guiding. So less time in the trenches, uh, which has its advantages and disadvantages, <laughs> as you know. Um, so at a bit of a higher level and learning how to lead people, which is... Um, it's a different skill base than leading in a project directly in front of people, 
when you're leading at a distance through a, uh, through GoToMeeting or Skype or or whatnot, it's a, it seems to me to be a different skill set. And so I'm I'm learning a lot as I'm trying to navigate these new waters. And working at a corporate level is a bit different. I worked at a local level. It was always the corporate uh, people that seem to be intruding in our business. And now I'm at that level, the corporate level, intruding in other people's business. So, <laughs> But um, I think with empathy, because I understand their perspective and point of view and um, um, uh, try to work with them. I had that perspective at Indianapolis. We had a facility um, close by that we had acquired a, a number of years before I joined them. And we were the bigger hospital and they were the smaller hospital and they were kind of resentful that the bigger hospital got its way more times and uh, we kind of pushed the practices we came up with at the bigger hospital on them and they were resentful for us pushing stuff and one of the things I pushed on them was Kaizen and uh, they pushed back pretty hard uh, kept pushing and kept pushing but um, there were some some individuals that were pretty strong um, and pushed back. So I kind of learned a lot through that, recognizing it's it's challenging to push Kaizen from a distance. Um, Kaizen really, to do it well, it needs to be homegrown, um, pushed by the people that are at the facility, doing the improvement, leading others through improvement. Um, so I carried that lesson into my corporate role, and I'm – I'm trying to balance pushing and uh, encouraging and uh, uh, and letting them do what they feel is right at their local local levels. So it's kind yeah. of a balance. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's interesting. You know, we we've I've done two podcasts with uh, people uh, from the realm of clinical counseling and. There's there's this uh, methodology and approach called motivational interviewing, and in those discussions, you know, there's this very common dynamic where um, if if we're pushing an idea, no matter how well intended or how positive that idea is, it, it's very natural for for people to push back, and and that creates a leadership challenge to um, engage people um, to to create pull and instead of just um, pushing something, and and I'm sure. You know, you, you learned a lot over, you know, one of, one of our themes here today is, you know, 10 years of, of Kaizen, um, you know, at those hospitals in central Indiana. I mean, you know, can you maybe elaborate a little bit, you know, thinking over those last 10 years of, of trying to spread good practices, um, even within those initial hospitals? Um, what, what are some of the strategies that um, helped create? a little bit better reception for the idea of Kaizen and continuous improvement? Oh, it's one of the hugest challenges we have, you know, when we work with other people, it's um, how do you persuade them? <laughs> um, and I, I think first off, they have to see the benefits themselves. So if you're pushing something that only has one-sided benefits, um, and, it, and they don't see the benefit for those that are adopting it, you're not going to get very, very far. So one thing I do is I make sure I understand who is benefiting and all the different perspectives 
from all the different people that will have to be engaged in this um, before we launch so I can convey and communicate here are the possible benefits for this group and this group and this group and this group so we all understand um, how we can all benefit through this um, right so I've gotten a little better I believe doing that but that's still a challenge because you know it's it's tough to consider everybody's perspective and, and thoughts and opinions uh, but trying to do a better job at that and w when you're at a larger scope it's it's also more difficult to understand and uh, um, appreciate beforehand everybody's perspective uh, often you, you have to get into it and then understand and and hear their perspective and, and then respond and rethink. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, focusing on, on the why um, is, is really important. Not, not just the what or the how to, um, but, but the why of, of Kaizen. And, you know, when I've had a chance to visit there at Franciscan, I, I've, my impression is that there's a very strong connection uh, to purpose and, and mission and, and motivation that, um, you know, people aren't, you know, it seems, uh, you know, people aren't doing Kaizen because they're told to, they're doing Kaizen because, um, of, of more intrinsically motivating reasons It makes their work easier, brings joy to patients, um, thing, things like that. So it seems like, um, you know, you've done a good job of, of helping tap into those motivations. I'm, I'm, I'm curious what, what do, what are your kind of thoughts or reflections on, what motivates people in healthcare to participate in Kaizen to, to choose to do this? Yeah, I, I, I think it is. It's about them. What do they gain out of it? And uh, I think that's why we've tried to stay true to spreading Kaizen, whether we do it first or last. Um, we have to eventually get to the point where all of our employees are engaged daily in continuous improvement. And we've been pushing into this area where with tiered huddles and uh, um, gamba boards and daily metrics and uh, where the metrics that have been driven down from the top are drilled, drilled all the way down to the front line and frontline staff are um, tailoring their improvements to um, align them to what's most important with the organization and that's really good that's where I think most hospital systems are headed to align the whole organization to what's most important. Um, the only thing I think that's missing is sometimes uh, the frontline staff don't get to do some things they just want to do because it provides some uh, something to them, some benefit, whether it be just less frustration or they just want the stapler in this location rather than this location, you know, just some personal want or need. Um, so we try to stay true to that to keep the systems flexible so our frontline staff can do some of the things they just want to do, um, whether it connects to the, the bottom line or whether it connects to what's most important for the organization or not. Um, as long as, you know, not everything they're doing is just for them, but mm -hmm. they understand. They're, they're smart people. Um, they understand, you know, to need to do things for the organization, but... They also want to do things for themselves, something that benefits them, something where they see something of some value every day when they come into work. They say, oh, yeah, I did that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. So I think we all need to get to that point, whether we do it um, 
early in our transformation process or late. Um, we're, our system is just trying to make sure that is a part of everything we do. And, and I should mention, I, I'm, these are my own personal opinions. They're not <laughs> representative of Franciscan Alliance or Franciscan Health in particular, but just my opinions. But I think we all need to get to that point where all employees are engaged in things that are important for the organization and just have intrinsic value for themselves for whatever reason. So that flexibility, I think, is important. Well, it's not, yeah, well, what I hear you saying is flexibility and, and balance of, of working on things that are self-motivated, but also being a, a good team member and a, a part of an organization. Um, so maybe, you know, if you can build upon that, you know, we, you kind of touched on this evolution from uh, getting really strong participation in Kaizen to Kaizen being part of a broader lean management system. You know, you, you've touched on strategy deployment. Um, can, can you elaborate, you know, before we talk about some other lean management practices that you've added, could, could you elaborate a little bit about strategy deployment and, and how, um, you know, in general that, that was introduced and helps create alignment? Yeah. Um, we started practicing strategy deployment in Indianapolis. <clears throat> I think it was in 2008 or 2009, kind of unofficially, <laughs> um, just doing it on our own projects where we connect with the senior leadership and try to brainstorm with them. What, what are you really trying to drive here? What's the most important thing? And then um, deploying that down through the organization to the front line and letting the frontline people pick um, a, a metric related to what will drive, you know, the the inputs versus the outputs, the leading versus lagging metrics, help them pick the leading metric that's relevant to them that will drive the, the lagging one. Um, and we did it on uh, patient satisfaction projects, and it had a huge impact. We drove patient satisfaction up dramatically over a course of a few years by uh, picking the right units um, that most drove patient satisfaction and having the frontline staff engaged on making changes that would have the highest leverage to driving patient satisfaction. So just recently we went up to our corporate office to all the senior leaders and um, showed them the history of what we've done. And when we actually do good strategy deployment, it has a huge impact on driving the metrics that are most important to them. And um, they, uh, they're they getting more and more on board and understanding the importance of uh, wiring up our organization. And it was interesting. Each of the leaders kind of picked up on different perspectives of what we presented and took back to their respective facilities different aspects, um, probably the ones they felt were most needed at their facility and mm. started implementing different aspects. So now we've got uh, different flavors in the different facilities, but I think it's just an education process. Um, they're going to try different things. And one of the things you recommended to me, Mark, was you, I was talking to you a few years ago about strategy deployment and you said, Joe, it's pretty simple. It's really plan, do, study, act. Um, you just, um, plan it out the best you can and try something and see how it works and then come back and reassess and try something different and see what works. And, um, and that's what we've kind of done. We've just, we've tried a number of different things and, and 
we're seeing what works and uh, adopting and understanding why those things work and adopt them and spreading them. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what I hear you describing is sort of a, a high level plan, do study, adjust process of, um, you know, that, that you you've learned through Kaizen and practiced through Kaizen. Um, that, that, that seems like one way, uh, you know, strategy deployment, maybe builds upon a foundation of Kaizen. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts of learning how to do PDSA, you know, the kind of a, a small scale, does that end up being, um, you know, kind of a helpful mindset in other ways, other practices? Absolutely. I think that's how we grow our Kaizen ears. Um, and I've noticed the leaders that, um, practice Kaizen years ago are much better suited for um, a driving change in organization because they, they understand and they've personally experienced what it takes and the challenges to make improvement. So what we do with Kaizen is we, when someone comes up with an idea, we keep that idea in their hands. We don't give it to somebody else we, because they have the most energy around the Kaizen, the person that came up with the idea. And then we just partner them with all the right people um, to make the change happen um, and coach them through the process to a success. And once they have a small success, they, uh, we encourage them to take a little bit bigger step. And then again, we partner them with all the right people to make the change happen and kind of nudge them out there and say, go do it and come back to us with co for coaching. And if they go through those rounds a few times, they get more confident that they can make bigger, more impactful change. And I've seen that time mm. and time and time again. Uh, just recently, a, uh, a manager, uh, Tamara Maluski in Indianapolis, uh, she was a big Kaizenier years ago before she was a manager. Um, now she's a manager of the ortho neuro unit. And uh, um, she, she uh, approached me uh, about a year and a half ago and said, hey, uh, my nurses have come up with an idea and uh, we need your help. And it was a very big idea. It was an idea that had to go all the way up to corporate and uh, get approval, had to get approval from the, not just the local CFO, but the corporate CFO. And <clears throat> I had tried to do something similar eight years before and my leader coached me, that's too big. That's too, it, it won't work. But uh, I thought this time, Maybe the timing's right. So um, we did it, and I helped her pull that off. And she just recently won the Academy of Medical Surgical Nursing's PRISM Award, which is their stands for their premier recognition in the specialty of med surge. <clears throat> so it's a national award. <clears throat> they award to like six to ten med surge nursing units across the country. So very prestigious award. And it was because <clears throat> she had gone through round after round after round of small Kaizens and and now she was pra practicing bigger and bigger Kaizens and and picked off a Kaizen that was just humongous. But now that Kaizen <clears throat> is something we're spreading across the system. Um, so, and it started with just those small little Kaizens. Well, that's, that's, that's great. Now, I, I always love hearing about the progression that people go through when I've met people at, at Franciscan who talk about how, you know, at first Kaizen is difficult or they weren't sure about it or they, they weren't confident. 
And it's it's just amazing to see, you know, over um, a little bit of time, people just uh, gain so much confidence and, um, you know, become huge advocates for Kaizen. There's a, um, you know, I think a lot of times people, leaders focus on um, Kaizen or Lean as, as a matter of, you know, solving problems, improving metrics, um, hitting targets, but there's that people development piece that's really powerful. And, you know, Toyota emphasizes that we're developing people and solving problems. And I've heard them say it um, in, in that sequence sometimes. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I think it goes hand in hand. You know, if you're developing people, they're going to be far more capable than of solving problems and improving metrics and helping the organization hit targets, right? I, I agree. Just their personal growth and the energy they carry. Um, once they start doing this, uh, I see the energy level come up, the uh, positivity come up. And I, I think, you know, you have to do it right. You just can't throw people out into stuff. You have to set up the right system and mechanism to where they get coached and they get partnered with the right people and um, they have coaches to help them think through how to approach people, how to um, implement different things. But once you have the system in there, in place and good coaching going on and good leadership, um, it's powerful. Yeah. Can, can you talk a little bit more about um, some of the other lean management system practices? You know, I've seen, um, you know, huddles and um, other leadership practices. Can, can you talk a little bit about how those were layered on, on top of Kaizen, how those were introduced and, you know, how that fits together? Yeah. Um, we started out in Indianapolis with Six Sigma. That was the big program. And then we added Kaizen a year later. Um, and Kaizen was really the mechanism to engage all employees. Six Sigma was really kind of an elite elitist approach to projects and we can only do so many per year um, and then we steadily started adding in lean practices after that and I think now we're we've got a good good mix of a lot of different ones but we've um, when I took over the system leadership I uh, said let's just do three things um, value stream transformation uh, daily improvement, which is includes Kaizen and the huddle boards and the, the tiered huddles and uh, those kinds of practices, and then strategy deployment. And uh, we had come from a history of projects, and we wanted to shift our leaderships from projects to value streams because in projects they might pick a little part of a process, and even if we improve just a part of the process, it might not have a, an effect on the whole system whereas we focus on the value stream the whole system and we work with leadership to decide the high leverage points in that process and work on those high leverage points first we're more likely to get the uh the most bang out of our efforts the most buck uh, so so to speak mm -hmm. um, so we're trying to educate our leadership to not drive us in the direction of projects so much as as transforming whole value streams because we can um, address more of the customer needs when we do that. When we're focused on just one piece of a process, it's it's tough to 
really understand the, the customer and how they fit in as as well as we should. But we look at the whole value stream, we can see the end to end and all the customer touch points and we're more likely to get really high value stuff done. So that's one area. Um, the next area is the daily improvement, which is where you were asking some of your questions about the huddles. And, mm-hmm. um, we're, so we're driving, we're starting with a, a unit, picking a model unit, which most facilities are doing across the United States, picking a model unit to start to do some PDSA, some plan, do, study, adjust, kind of work and try stuff and see what sticks and what employees like, and then uh, spreading that from from there. Um, and then we're adding, uh, we're, we're starting out with monthly huddles and driving towards weekly huddles. We've got weekly huddles in a lot of our units, uh, uh, particularly in Indianapolis, but uh, in other facilities we have uh, daily huddles. Um, but we're driving towards that progression, towards starting, starting small and driving towards daily improvements and in a lot of facilities we're doing the gemba walks we're bringing bringing our leadership down to the front line so the front line can explain what they're doing and uh, leadership can see how they can assist and help uh, in that improvement process um, and then we're uh, working on tiered huddles where they um, communicate up and down the chain of command uh, on a, uh, starting on a monthly or a weekly basis and driving towards daily. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're driving towards those really good lean practices. Uh, we're not there. We're um, <laughs> got a long journey ahead, but we're making good progress. And we have in those um, model areas, we're having really good response from leadership oh, and from frontline staff. So it's very encouraging. That's that's great. Um, it's good to hear. And, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, people are, are introducing practices like this in their organization, um, whether it's through a model cell or a pilot or, or baby steps or whatever they might call it. Um, I'm curious your thoughts. Of, you know, there's you know, the history at Franciscan, as you've been talking about, where um, you know, daily Kaizen was happening for, for many years and then other practices were layered on top of that. Um, some organizations um, sort of look at this bundle, if you will, of lean management practices. And I see people uh, put up boards, they put up metrics, they start huddles, they um, are trying Kaizen and they're, they're doing it all at once. Maybe the organization's also um, starting with strategy deployment, um, you know, as much as you can generalize, I mean, I'm curious what your thoughts are about, you know, from, from your lessons, sort of, you know, starting with everything at once versus um, going a little bit more sequentially. Well, you know, from Deming, we learn constancy of purpose. So, um, so I, I know myself, being put in a leadership position, I needed to send one message and keep that message up for a number of years, which is hard to do in healthcare when so much is changing underneath your your feet. It seems like every day, but uh, um, we've been able to stay true to the message for the past two years. It's just those three things that we're focused on first, and when we get those put in place, then we're going to start looking at other things. But they're not quite still in place, so it's constantly 
see a purpose. We're just staying at it until we drive those things. So for a, <clears throat> I think you're asking for a new healthcare organization that's getting into lean. <clears throat> um, it really depends because you're being pushed in so many directions by leadership and uh, the needs of uh, uh, financial return. So I, I found you have to have some efforts that's driving efforts that could show benefit. If you're not right. showing clear benefit to your leadership, you're going to lose them and then you might lose your whole program. So you got to put a significant effort, at least a third of your effort or more towards projects and efforts that will um, show our leadership the money. But then you also have to drive culture and um, Kaizen is a good way to drive the right kind of culture. It's getting our frontline staff and all employees engaged in trying stuff, trying to make a difference every single day, um, proposing something, coming up with a hypothesis. They're learning really good skills on how to make improvement and drive change. And um, if it's always done to them, uh, they'll never learn how to do it themselves. And uh, so you got to equip them, encourage them, push them out there to try some things and uh, help them be successful. Uh, so whether you do that first or last, like I mentioned earlier, you got to get to that point where and when you look at all the lean efforts from all the Japanese and the American companies and the companies now around the world that are driving lean, that's the ultimate goal is getting um, the culture changed to where everybody's thinking about how can I make this better? How can I do this even better than I did it yesterday? A little bit every single day. If you can get to that point, then you've got a chance that your culture is going to stick and you're going to have this organization that's going to stand the test of time because, you know, 98% of all organizations that have existed have become extinct. So there's always that point where your organization might be on the chopping block. So to prevent that day from ever happening, you have to develop this culture where they're always responding to customer need changes, um, changes, vendor changes, or regulatory changes, you have to respond to the changes going on. And to do that, you got to create a systems. You got to create the systems and the culture to to do that. And uh, Kaizen's one of those ways. Uh, Value stream transformations and another Six Sigma's another Lean's another. Um, what do you do first? It really all depends in my mind. But I think. For me, I've tried to split it up. I know I need to do at least a third of my efforts to drive what's important to leadership. I've got to spend another third of my efforts at least to drive what's important to the frontline staff so I don't lose them. I keep them engaged through this whole process. And another third just tying it all together, I, I think. Mm -hmm. And the strategy deployment, making sure all the linkages are there and the systems are in place and the Co good coaching is being done in my team. I've got a wonderful team, but um, 14 people for 14 hospitals, so they're pretty lean team, pretty thin. Um, so keeping them focused on just a few things is really important, and uh, those three things are the three things: the uh, the value stream, which is driving the money, the uh, daily improvement, which is driving our culture, and then strategy deployment is really linking it all together and making sure we have a good, robust management system to drive all of it together. Mm -hmm.
So, so I hear you saying a couple things. Um, tell me, tell me if I've got the summary correct here. You know, one is you know to the question of of how to get started. Um, I hear you saying it. It may be a little bit. It depends on on what some of the the goals and needs uh, of the priorities of the organization are. And then, secondly, to try to maintain a balance between the needs of of the staff and the needs of the organization. Do I do I hear you right? Or yeah, uh-huh. I think when you're thrown into a leadership role in an organization, you're pulled in many different directions. Um, so I, I think it all depends. Um, some of the dynamics in the marketplace, you may need to drive cost savings urgently or you may not. Um, I think that ebb, ebbs and flows in healthcare. And I think lately it seems like it's a must do right now kind of thing for many organizations. So you got to keep your eye on that and drive some effort there. Um, but I think long term, you have to change that culture. So somehow you have to weave in a little bit of both, but it really, I think it does depend on where your leadership is pulling you. You have to uh, stay true to what they're asking you to do. Um, but you also have to know where you're heading. You have to know, you know, five, ten years down the road, we need this culture. So let's start putting in the mechanisms today to help drive and grow and develop people and uh, make the culture that what it needs to be. Ten years down the roads. Yeah. So it, d- it does depend, but I think you can try to do a little bit of both if you're you think it through and are um, smart about it. Yeah, and I guess the old principle of plan, do, study, adjust. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> still Absolutely. applies, right? Yes. Um, you, you mentioned you know one other thing I wanted to ask you about. You mentioned you know pressure organizations are under that you know improvement uh, is is a must do, but I'll tell you, in the last year, I've uh, talked to a number of organizations uh, where we were talking about um, them wanting help to create, to start working on a culture of continuous improvement, to do a model sell, if you will, around some daily Kaizen practices, as, as we've shared in our books. And, you know, at the end of the discussion, you know, they, they would say, well, you know, we want to do this. We want you to help us. The the proposal seems fine, but there's so much uncertainty in healthcare right now. We can't get the budget uh, to do this. We're, we're just going to, you know, we're, we're trying to conserve cash. We're going to wait until there's, you know, there's some, some of this uncertainty goes away. And, you know, I think, well, you know, if, if they can do this on their own, you know, I mean, that that's, that's great. Um, but what I, what I hear them saying is, well, we're just going to, we're going to wait and see. And, you know, I, that, that puzzles me because it's not clear what their alternative improvement strategy is. I mean, what, what, what is you, what advice would you have if someone says, Oh, it's just, it's too crazy right now. We're going to, you know, maybe we'll do this next year. We're, we're, we're in wait and see mode. What, what would you say to an organization like that? Well, I mean, our organization's a bit like that. We're very conservative. Um, healthcare organizations are tend to be risk adverse, and throw in a, a Catholic healthcare system, it's even more risk adverse. So our organization, I can sure relate to that, is very risk adverse. Um, 
so they've said no to a lot of different things um, because uh, in healthcare we tend to try to do an awful lot. Um, I know in our one of our facilities they're trying to do 120 different projects. Um, we're trying to get them to to um, crystallize that down to maybe 40 or maybe ideally 10 10 efforts that'll drive the biggest bang but uh it's challenging to do that because so much seems so urgent right now um i know our leadership's been um debating a lot about what do we do uh, the challenges are big and the uncertainties are really big um but i i think you just have to um, plot a course and i think i think one of the questions you're asking is is uh, getting help. Um, I think there's some things you can do on your own. It just it'll take you a lot longer, and you'll stump, you'll stumble around, flail around for a lot longer. If you can get some key help in certain areas, it can sure um, make things go smoother and more intelligently. Um, I know our organization has, has joined the uh, Catalysis. It used to be the Theta Care. Um, the the Theta Care Center for Healthcare Value, yeah, yeah, and we've been looking at <clears throat> what other hospitals. I think there's 60 or 80 hospitals that are part of mm-hmm. that. They're about, and we yeah. look, we we get to look at what other people are doing. And that's a, been a big help. So it's um, not always bringing in a consultant, but it's it's also just looking at what other systems are doing out there that are being successful, and we're learning a lot from them so that we don't make the mistakes they've made that we can kind of get up to the the level they, they've achieved faster. Um, so learning from others, I think, is really important. And sometimes right. we we do kind of sh- shut that out uh, and we, we, we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one way to get up to speed faster is, is getting help from from expertise. Um, but I, I think for our organization, we try to pick pl- plot a course and uh, uh, stay true to that direction over a period of t- time. And our leadership's um, a few times now in the last two years has wanted to shift our course, and uh, we've kind of negotiated with them. We can do this, but we'll need this or we can do this, but we need this or, and try to explain what we're doing and why we're doing it. So they understand mm-hmm. where we're heading and then try to fit those things in so that we can still, uh, do those three things that I mentioned earlier in the podcast and yeah. keep that momentum and direction growing <clears throat> over a sustained period of time. I don't know if that mm-hmm. answers your question, but yeah. maybe partly. Yeah. Well, you know, there's no easy answer to that question. So, uh, but, you know, a lot of good thoughts and reflections there. Well, again, I want to thank Joe for joining us today. And you'll probably want to keep your eyes open, your ears open for uh, the next part of our discussion. They'll be coming in a few weeks where we talk about champions of change. If you want to be notified about this and other future episodes, please subscribe to the podcast. You can do so uh, through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 
and um, any other service or app that you use to get podcasts. If you want to learn more about that, you can go to the main page for the podcast, leanpodcast.org. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.